We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Thursday Rotowire Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel, the one-day leader in fantasy sports. Now, Benny, I'm here with you. Uh, this is our first time recording a pod together. Mr. Benny Ricciardi, I'm John McKechnie here. Uh, so we're going to be taking a look at the Thursday games. I'm going to get us started here by reading down uh, what the slate's looking like tomorrow. We got, we're going to go through all the games for Thursday, we got a, a, I believe, a ten-game slate going, starting in the early afternoon. Uh, so, starting us off here, we're going to have the Rangers with AJ Griffin uh, going into Yankee Stadium to round out that series against the Yankees uh, with Michael Pineda on the hill. That's a twelve, or it's a one o five start Eastern time, and then going to where I am, uh, we're going to have the Brewers uh, with Zach Davies on the hill uh, hosting the Dodgers with Kenta Maeda going that's going to be a 210 uh, start then following that up we're going to have the twins with Tommy Malone uh, going down to Chicago to face uh, Carlos Rodon in the White Sox that's also a 210 start and then we're going to move into the evening slate here we're going to have the Reds opening a set uh, with the Nationals we're going to have Brandon Finnegan on the hill for the Reds going against Gio Gonzalez 
who I just saw get roughed up in person by the Brewers uh, last weekend. Uh, that's a 7.05 start. Then we're going to go north of the border here. We're going to have the Blue Jays with R.A. Dickey uh, hosting the red-hot uh, Cleveland Indians with Carlos Carrasco going. Uh, that's a 7.07 start. Then moving down to New York, we're going to have uh, the Cubs with John Lackey on the hill going against uh, Steven Matz and the Mets. That's a 7-10 start. Uh, moving on down, we're going to have the Marlins with Wei-Yin Chen going against Mike Fulton-Evitz and the Braves. Uh, Fulton-Evitz, I believe, needs to be activated off the DL uh, before that start, so there's going to be some roster churning going on throughout the day. Then we're going to have the Rays with Jake Odorizzi on the hill hosting uh, Jordan Zimmerman and the Detroit Tigers. That is a 7-10 start. And then we're going to have uh, a continuation of the Battle of Missouri here. We're going to have the Royals going to St. Louis. We're going to have Chris Young on the hill for the Royals going against Mike Leake of the Cardinals. And then out west for the late night stuff, we're going to have uh, the Battle by the Bay. We're going to have the A's uh, with Dylan Overton hosting Madison Bumgarner and the Giants. And then rounding us out, we're going to have uh, the Orioles with Chris Tillman going uh, against his former organization, the, the Seattle Mariners. Uh, that's a 10-10 uh, start time. So, uh, you know, look, pretty good-looking slate here. I'm lo- really looking forward to this one. And uh, so MLB season is here, and that means Daily Fantasy Baseball is back. So go to FanDuel.com to play now. Building a fantasy team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back tonight and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1, so anyone can play. So, Benny, uh, before we get into this uh, game by game, is there anything that stands out to you uh, from this slate, uh, just kind of off the bat for you? You know, there's only eight games in the night slate, which is what I think most people are going to be concentrating on. Um, Usually most people play the 7 o'clock slate. Not everybody's able to get in, you know, those early games with three games starting, you know, around like 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon there. Right. I don't think there's a lot of high-end pitching that people are going to be going after. I mean, I think Madison Bumgarner is going to be a popular option. I think Carrasco is okay, but... You know, as we'll get into, it's a it's a tough situation for him going up against um, you know, that Toronto team that can score some runs. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, John Lackey going up against the Mets is probably the only other guy there. You know, a lot of the other guys that are up on the mound are, you know, kind of long shots at best. So I think if you're gonna go for one of those pitchers, you're gonna you're gonna pay up a little bit at pitching on the slate, which means we're gonna have to find some cheap bats. You know, I mean, I know everybody loves to be able to roster all the studs, but you know, if you're rostering all the stud bats here, you're going to wind up going with a pitcher that you're not going to have a lot of faith in. And I, and I just don't see a lot at the low end of the uh, the pitching spectrum today. So I think this looks like a slate where you might have to pay up for pitching, which, you know, kind of kind of makes it tough because that's when I feel everybody kind of gets on the same cheap options. And, you know, there's a lot of overlap in your in your lineup. So you might have to get a little creative when you're putting your bats together today. Yeah, and in the... In the- you know, when you got Bumgarner going, you always feel good about using him. But there are like a couple little strange factors about this. You know, they're going to be playing in an AL park, so he's going to be facing a DH. So, you know, that's one more legitimate batter he's going to have to face. And then a uh, couple of the fact that, oddly enough, the A's have kind of woken up this week, whether it's just a uh, regional rivalry or, or what have you. But they, they've uh, been able to kind of hang with the Giants surprisingly this week. So, like, that that could be a, a bit of a, a, a pitfall uh that you don't usually expect when when Bumgarner's going on the hill. Uh, but 
let's get it started. Uh, let's go to, with your guys here uh, to New York. We're going to have Pineda going against A.J. Griffin. That's an over and over, over under of nine. Uh, the Yankees are minus 141 favorites here. Uh, now, what are you looking at uh, for this game? Yeah, you know, I I got to I'm a little I'm a little bit on the fence with seeing the Vegas line and the Yankees being favored. I mean, Pineda's been a little bit better lately, mm-hmm. but this Texas team has a lot of good left-handed bats, which is usually what Pineda struggles with. I mean, you got Chu at the top of the lineup now, guys like Mazzara, Prince Fielder starting to hit the ball, you know, Rogan at Old Door. So all these left-handed bats, I think, are in a pretty decent spot here against Pineda. And then I'm not a big A.J. Griffin fan. I mean, this is a guy that's kind of bounced around. He was with Oakland for a little. He was with uh, Texas. I think he was out of the league for a year. I'm not sure if he had Tommy John. Yeah, that's 14. Yeah, it seems to be the uh, seems to be the reason a lot of guys fall off the radar and then come back. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's okay, but the problem is this Yankee lineup's really not all that good. You know, you got Beltron banged up right now. Right. You know, you got you got Ellsbury and Gardner at the top of the order. Then you got McCann. You know, the left-handed bats to go up against Griffin. But I really don't like the Yankees' offense here. So I know Vegas has them favored, but I- I'm kind of staying away from most of the Yankees. And like I said, Pineda's been better. If I was going to do anything in this game, I think I'd be looking at the lefty bats on Texas. Yeah, and I mean, you know, are you thinking any of the lefty Yankees uh, bats might be worth looking at? I mean, I feel like McCann is always a guy that uh, that I can end up end up talking myself into putting into my lineup, especially if the price is right. And he's at thirty one hundred, uh, but you know, he's you know, you'd know better than I. He's been hit the skids a little bit from from where he was earlier in the season but you know you love going against a not so great pitcher uh and you got that short porch right there and right so i mean i would consider mccann uh on the yankees but yeah i, I i'd say among the bats i'm probably kind of rolling with your strategy here and probably going with the texas lefties yeah i mean i think if you're going to use the Yankees, the lefties are the way you want to go. So, you know, the top of the order, Ellsbury, Gardner. You know, McCann might even be batting third right now with, um, you know, with Beltron out. I don't know. They may move like – I mean, A-Rod's actually even been sitting against um, right-handed pitching lately because he, ha- he really hasn't been that good. So, like I said, I mean, you know, I've been a Yankees fan my whole life. I'm a big Yankees fan. I- I'm just not really high in this offense. I don't know. Maybe it's my my – fandom that's kind of has me biased this way but you know i just i don't see them winning this game i don't see how they're favored here you know i like i said i like pineda but i think that you know this texas team has really been hitting the ball well i think they're going to get to them yeah that that line is a little bit fishy to me as well so we're, we'll see how that plays out uh we're going to move on uh out to the white Sox stadium uh with the with carlos rodon uh, coming in at nine thousand, kind of a mid-tier price for your starting pitcher. Going against Tommy Malone, who's been uh, volatile uh, to say the least. Uh, he doesn't have a start with over thirty Fanduel points uh, since like mm, uh, nope, not even during the regular season. So yeah, he's he's uh, not been so good. So I mean, are you looking at anyone in this one? I mean, generally the White Sox. Uh, to me, have been kind of a boomer bust team that that really started off hot and has really hit the skids. Some of those bats are, are still uh, usually pretty attractive, but at the same time, you, you know, is it a situation where you're going to use it, use the White Sox in this matchup because Malone's on the hill, or do, do you think there's going to be you know other things uh, elsewhere in this slate that you're going to target more? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the the thing there is that you there's things that you're gonna like more here. You know, this White Sox team, the pitching for this White Sox team has been really good, and I feel like the you know these pitchers got to be a little bit upset here because they're not getting any run support. You know, you look at Malone on the mound, and and you kind of want to take some of the right-handed bats against them. Todd Frazier's got big numbers, especially big power numbers, over 300 ISO against left-handed pitching. But at the same point in time, his batting average has dropped this year. He's you know he's not getting as many hits, so he's somebody I like as a tournament play because he he should go low owned and he does have that you know upside where he can hit you a home run or two. You know Abreu's actually better in righty on righty spots. Tim Anderson at the top of the order I don't hate as a shortstop option. You know he's been doing really solid since they got rid of Jimmy Rollins and moved him up full time. Yeah, I like, then, I like him at the leadoff spot as well, and it, I feel like uh, FanDuel tends to be pretty quick to to adjust people's prices. But Tim Anderson's still sitting at a pretty affordable three thousand, so I, I definitely uh, see what you're saying there. Yeah, he's he's not a bad option on the day. I, I kind of had him uh, circled here as somebody that I might be interested in. And then on the other side, you know, it's weird because this Minnesota team is filled with right-handed bats, but for a team that has so many right-handed bats, they really do not hit left-handed pitching all that well. And they don't have, I don't think they have one guy on this roster that has over a 350 Woba since the start of last season against left handed pitching. For a team that rolls out like seven or eight right handed bats on a regular basis, that, that's kind of surprising. But I mean, if you look at the bats, Eduardo Nunez is probably my favorite one. And, and I mean, that kind of says everything you need to know about this Minnesota team right here. You know, I mean, do you want to take Dozier? He's got a little bit of home run upside, or Plouffe has a little bit of home run upside. You know, Byung-Ho Park, I guess, has a little bit of power upside. But none of these guys are really options that I like. So, you know, I, I'm not thrilled with either one of the pitchers here. I like Rodon a lot better than I like um, Malone, just because this, this Twins team doesn't really hit lefties well, even though they should. Right. But honestly, if I don't have anything on either side of this game, I, I don't think I'd really be all that upset about it today. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat here. I mean, it, really, it's 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 very feast or famine in this one, and the, mostly on the on the twin side, it's famine in terms of uh, both bats and the pitcher. And then, you know, with the White Sox, uh, Rodon, uh, you know, solid pitcher. Uh, you don't get super excited about it. You you like the fact that the Twins do tend to strike out a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that kind of boosts Rodon in my mind, but other than that, you know, I feel like paying forty one hundred uh, for Frazier, like you said, that's definitely more of like a tournament consideration because I think that price is going to turn some people off. Uh, but he does have you know the split there, and yeah, he's just been this strange character where he just hits home run. It's like he's formed into Adam Dunn's body from the right handed <laughs> side of the plate. I don't I don't really understand how it's worked out like that, but here we are, and then. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all we got for that game. We're going to move on to the Brewers game going against the Dodgers. We're going to have Zach Davies versus Kenta Maeda, which is kind of an interesting uh, pitching matchup, at least a little bit. Um, what, what are you looking for from this game? Yeah, kind of. I actually kind of like both of these pitchers. You know, Zach Davies has been really good lately. And then um, Maeda doesn't have the strikeout upside that you want although against the brewers the brewers usually do strike out a lot against right-handed pitching yeah so i could see maeda having a better game than normal but he's just one of those guys that you know he's he's like a lot of the pitchers that come over from from the orient i mean he keeps teams off balance he throws uh you know down in the zone he gets a lot of ground balls he he works pretty fast so he's able to you know the guys like playing behind them there 
So I don't really see anything on Milwaukee that I want. I usually like Milwaukee a lot more when they're going up against left-handed pitching. On um, you know, on the Dodgers side, you know, like I said, Davies has been pretty good. So I'm not really looking to kind of target him. Adrian Gonzalez has been incredibly cheap and has started to hit, so he's someone you can look at. And I love Corey Seager. He's one of my favorite young players. He steps into the box. He's just like calm and cool. He he looks like he belongs in the majors. He's you know nothing rattles him, and the guy just hits the ball. I mean he's just so good at the plate. So Seager is always somebody that's in play for me. The problem with him is he's starting to get expensive because everybody else is realizing it too. Right. Um, so like I said, I mean I like you know it, it's a good hitter's ballpark there in Milwaukee. Miller Park's a great place to hit. So you would want a couple of these bats, but I think both of these guys are pretty solid. So I don't see this being like a you know ten seven kind of game. I think it's probably like a a 4-3 game, if you want to pick out a bat here or there, I could see you know, some of the Dodgers lefties would probably be the way to go, but I don't think there's a ton of upside in this one. I agree, and, and backing up uh, kind of what you've been saying about Davies, uh, where people have been able to get to him, it looks like uh, this year has been on the ro- when he's been on the road. Actually, at home, he has a 3-1-1 ERA, a whip of just 1.02, and it, his uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio is, is well over 4. It's 53 uh, strikeouts to tw- against 12 walks at home. So, you know, that outside of Seager, and, you know, you do like Gonzalez's cheap price for, for what he can provide. But at the same time, this this Dodgers lineup has been full of kind of landmines to me. You know, names that you mm-hmm. kind of talk yourself into, like yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. this, this works. This is a good this is a good matchup, good hitters park, what have you. And then sometimes I've definitely gotten burned uh, going going heavy on the Dodgers. I mean, outside of I'd say Turner, Seager, Gonzalez, uh, this lineup can can really uh, turn in a goose egg on you. Yep. Uh, and then you get you know you. Jock Peterson, he's got a banged-up shoulder. Not even sure if he's going to be playing. Kike Hernandez just went on the DL this afternoon, uh, so you know that's missing some some big name or some names that are big, some that you know are a little bit lesser known. But regardless, they're not going to be at full strength tomorrow. So that'll be kind of an interesting game. Now we're going to move on to the evening uh, portion of this slate. Here we're going to start off. In the nation's capital, we're going to have uh, Gio Gonzalez and the Nats going against Brandon Finnegan uh, and the Reds. Uh, What stands out to you for this one? Yeah, I mean, I want right-handed bats on both sides of this game against the two southpaws. So looking at the Cincy roster, I like Zach Cozart. He actually has really good numbers against left-handed pitching. I think it's like a 390 Woba and over a 200 ISO score since the start of 2015. Uh, you know, Eugenio Suarez hits the hits the lefties well, so he's somebody else that's in play. I like this uh, Adam Duvall kid. I feel like people don't play him anywhere near enough. I mean, he's got 20 home runs this year. And, you know, you look at the other guys that have 20 home runs, he's got to be the lowest-owned 20 home run hitter so far to this point of the season. It's absurd. And, he's under 20. He's at 2,900 for tomorrow going with the lefty-righty yeah. matchup. I can't believe that. And, and he's cheap. That's the thing. It's like he goes low-owned every day, and he's cheap. And he just keeps hitting home runs. So he's definitely somebody that I'll have some exposure to. And then looking at um, the other side of this game against Finnegan, you know, Ryan Zimmerman has been absolutely crushing left-handed pitching. Uh, Jason Wirth has been crushing left-handed pitching. You know, I know people like to use Rendon, but he does not have enough upside for me. So I very rarely roll him out there. You know, even Bryce Harper's starting to hit now, and he does well in lefty-on-lefty matchups. 
you know, Washington, not the greatest hitters ballpark that we have, but I definitely think you can look at some of these guys in the middle of that order for, for the Nationals. You know, uh, Wilson Ramos could could quite possibly be the best catcher in baseball this year, at least with the bat in his hand. So, I mean, there, yeah, there are some right-handed bats on this Washington team that I definitely wouldn't mind having a, uh, you know, maybe like a, a Ramos, Zimmerman, Worth, Harper kind of stack. I think that could, uh, could, could give you a nice return tomorrow. Yeah, and that definitely kind of links up nicely within how Dusty Baker has been rolling those lineups out. So you're going to be getting a lot of guys hitting right next to each other in the order. So you get the run and the RBI upside in that stack. So definitely see what you're saying there. And, you know, basically bottom line for this one, I think you definitely need at least a couple right-handed hitters from either either team because I don't have a ton of faith in either pitcher to be completely honest right now. So I think, you know, there's going to be some balls flying out, maybe more than we normally see at Nats Park. And I think, you know, the right-handed batters are going to be supplying that. So that'll be an interesting one. Now we're going to go up to to Toronto here. We're going to have uh, Carlos Carrasco uh, starting for the Indians. They are just, I can't even describe how ridiculously on fire they they have been lately. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, they're just like a steamroller. And then they're going against Ari Dickey. Uh, and the Blue Jays, who are just getting back to Canada from a trip to Coors Field, that's always a fun series when they, whenever the Blue Jays get to go out there. So that, that was a fun one. But So how are you seeing Carrasco versus Dickey? I know that the line is even, which I thought was interesting, just kind of caught my eye. And I thought that the over-under of 8.5 was a little bit low at first glance, but you know now I think about it, Carrasco, uh, if there's a guy that's going to shut down the Blue Jays, you know, maybe it's him. So uh, how are you thinking about this one? You know, the Blue Jays offense has been hot, and that's a, a ballpark that usually yields a lot of runs. So I like Carrasco. He's been pitching well all season. I just don't think that this is the softest spot that we've had for him this year. Right. So I'm probably going to be staying away from him. But it's also one of those situations where he's good enough where I'm not really looking to take a lot of bats on the Toronto side against them because he has been that good this year. So some people think, well, if you're not taking a pitcher, you, you know, you, you must be taking bats against them. No, there, there's a middle ground there. You know, sometimes you just think that I don't think Carrasco is going to have a huge upside game where he strikes out 10 or 11 and goes seven or eight innings of shutout ball. But at the same point in time, I can't see Toronto lighting him up for seven or eight runs. So I'm staying away from the bats on Toronto, and I'm also probably not going to have too many shares of Carrasco, maybe a little bit in a tournament because I think he will go much lower owned than Madison Bumgarner. But I also think that Bumgarner is in a much better spot than him, so it makes sense to me. Right. And then, oh, I was just going to say, on the other side too, I mean, I'm, I'm not an R.A. Dickey fan at this point. You know, I think that this Cleveland team has been hitting, so I, I think there's a lot of guys in this lineup that you can use, and I don't think you really have to worry about righty-lefty with a guy like Dickey. You know, I think anybody who's a solid hitter is usually in a pretty good spot against him, so I like Kipnis, I like Lindor. I think guys like uh, Napoli and Santana have some upside with the home run power. You know, Jose Ramirez is hitting very well lately. You know, he's somebody that you kind of kind of have to respect Chisholm Hall can get a hold of one Jan Gomes is a solid hitter I mean top to bottom this entire team can hit so you know I would have no problem rolling out a couple Cleveland Indians especially with the park bump they're getting up in Toronto yeah and what, what I like about Ramirez as well is that they always hit him in a pretty favorable part of the lineup and he has some stolen base upside I think he swiped two bags the other night so there there is a bit of that element and you know Dickey's obviously bringing a pretty slow pitch to to the plate so you know maybe maybe the indians are going to try to to 
burn him on the base pass a little bit. And I, I could see Ramirez kind of doing that. And he's only at 3,000. So I really like that, that combination of, of speed upside, uh, just good lineup, and then, you know, the price is great. I mean, so, some of the Indians' prices now are, are a little bit overcorrected, in my opinion. Like Santana, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay 4,600 for him. Uh, yeah. I think Bryce Harper is only 4,200. So it's like, you know, let, let's uh, have a bit of a reality check here. Uh, Santana's 700 dollars more expensive than a guy like edwin encarnacion so that you got to be you got to pick and choose your indians carefully here but i wouldn't mind using at least a couple of them so i definitely see what you're saying there and you know a guy like lindor i mean he's one of the best young players in baseball i love watching that guy play it's been Mm -hmm. it's been pretty awesome this year i i guess i didn't watch quite enough of him last year really didn't really register with me how how special this kid was but yeah he's been he's been kind of a catalyst behind this big run uh so that's been really exciting and i'm definitely looking forward to this game a lot i think this is going to be a very interesting series and you and i as both al east uh fans uh we're we're going to be paying close attention because you know toronto uh obviously is definitely figuring into the standings i don't know how much stock you're putting into the yankees playoff run or not but i'm an orioles fan i'm definitely paying attention to what toronto's doing this weekend yeah, you know how much stock I put in the Yankees playoff run? I've been the one who's been calling for the last month for them to start trading off some of these guys. You know, get rid of Beltron before he gets hurt while he has a little bit of, uh, you know, value left to a team that's contending. Get rid of, you know, two of the three uh, guys at the back of the bullpen. So that's that's the playoff run I think the Yanks have. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean, they need to get some of these big contracts off the books. They need to reload and, uh, you know, go get some younger talent and, you know, hopefully make a run at it in a couple of years again. Yeah, that's a that's a very uh, it might catch the listeners off guard by how reasonable and rational that was. I don't know. That was re- yeah. It's it's not usually you know talk radio. We're not supposed to be reasonable, reasonable and rational, especially when we're talking about our own teams. But right. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely think that's what they should be doing, or or at least getting close to it. Yep, you can see the forest through the trees there. Very good perspective. Now we're going to move on to Atlanta. We're going to have the Marlins versus the Braves. Uh, what do we got here? We're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna have Wei and Chen going against Mike Fulton Evitz. Uh, the the Marlins have have started to kind of quietly assert themselves into the playoff picture a bit in the NL, at least in the, in the wild card standings. And then uh, you know, kind of like the the fight between the Mets and the Nationals, uh, that's kind of allowed for for the Marlins to just kind of sneak in, and they're very close. They're very much in the picture here. Uh, and obviously they have a pretty soft matchup going going against the Braves. So uh, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I mean, the Braves are historically one of the worst teams this season against left-handed pitching. So if you're looking for a cheap starting pitcher option or a cheapish starting pitcher option, I think Wei Yin Chen is the way that you're going to go if you're trying to, you know, if you're playing in like a 10,000-person tournament and you want to get away from the chalk of, you know, guys like Bumgarner or maybe even Lester, you know, or I mean Lackey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the guy you go to is Wei Yin Chen. You know, this Atlanta team has, a, you know, a lot of left-handed bats. They do not hit left-handed pitching well. They do not have the ability to get right-handed to hit left-handed pitching better. So I think Chen is definitely in a pretty decent spot. And then at the same point in time, Fulty Nevitz, you know, he's a guy who – got absolutely destroyed by left-handed bats last year. He's been much better this year with it and you know when he's been healthy, but last year lefties absolutely destroyed him. So that's still the way I want to go after him. Uh if Ichiro's in there on top of the order, Christian Yelich, uh you know Justin Bohr, Derek Dietrich, 
all the left-handed bats on this uh, Miami team, I think, are going to be in play here. So I like Chen as a cheap option. I like all the lefties on the, on the Marlins. I do think that the Marlins offense gets some runs. So, you know, Chen also has that, you know, high likelihood of getting the win behind him as well. So, like I said, if you're looking for a cheap option, I think that's my takeaway here is Chen is probably my favorite cheap option. If I get Dietrich on top of the order, I will consider him as a second base option. If not, though, I mean, you know, you can look at Suzuki, you can look at Yelich, you can look at Bohr, you can look at Dietrich. Although I don't think there's a, a ton of upside with taking those guys, those bats. Um, but I do think that those are the guys that are likely to do the best against Fulton Newitz. Yep, and uh, it's it's funny. Like I think you are the third person I've been on a podcast with uh, this spring. And every time, you know, whether it's planned or not, we always end up kind of liking whichever pitcher is going against the Braves. It's just kind of yeah. how it works out. And Wei and Chen, you know, as you mentioned, the lefty, and, you know, he's going to – that effectively takes out the only real venom in the, in the Braves lineup, which is Freddie Freeman. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's, his price is adjusted down to 3200 so he is kind of uh, affordable, but you really don't like that matchup for him. And, you know, with how – how slow his start to the season was. You expect a bit of a, a comeback to earth uh, once he once his hot hot streak is over. So uh, you know, ugh, you know, you got to kind of go with Chen here, especially in, in those tournament plays when you're trying to get away from the really chalky options. So I'm on. I'm with you on that one. Uh, definitely like the lefty Marlins bats at well and that, as well. Now we're going to go down to Tampa, uh, shifting gears. We're going to have Jordan Zimmerman on the mound for the Tigers going against Jake Odorizzi uh, of the Rays. The Rays, who I believe just uh, finished a series win over the Red Sox uh, at home this week, which is one of probably the more surprising developments across baseball. Yeah, you know, this is actually a weird game for me. Odorizzi is a guy who is kind of a reverse splits pitcher, meaning that right-handed bats actually do better against them. So even though this is a completely right-handed lineup that Detroit has, I think they're in a pretty good spot against them. You know, guys like Cabrera, um, you know, Victor Martinez will be on the left side, but Kinsler, Cabrera, Castellanos, even uh, a Justin Upton. I mean, I think they could do some damage against Odorizzi. So not a big fan of his. I know people like to use him. He does have some strikeout upside, but I don't think this is a great spot for him. And then on the other side, you know, Zimmerman is actually the pitcher I like a little bit more. This race team has been striking out a lot against right-handed pitching, so you've been able to use right-handed pitchers against them. I'm not usually a big Jordan Zimmerman guy. He's not somebody that I think has a lot of upside, but, I mean, he's a solid pitcher. You know, you're looking at this lineup, I mean, the left-handed bats on, on Tampa Bay, Brad Miller, Logan Morrison. You know, I mean, th- these are just not guys that I'm scared of, not guys that I, you know— would be like, man, I can't use Zimmerman to go up against them. So I don't know if I'm going to be using Zimmerman, but I just don't think it's a good spot at all for these Tampa bats. So I'm probably staying away from all of them. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. And then, you know, on top of that, I feel like uh, Corey Dickerson's been a guy that I've liked using against righties uh, this year on, on occasion, uh, especially when, it, when his price is down into the 2000s. That's usually when I like to strike on him but now he's at 3400 and he's got a bit of a bulky thumb so i know that he's going to have the platoon advantage here which is the only time you even consider him uh but at the same time he's got those factors working against him he's got he's a little more pricey than you want and that you know when you're talking about a batter a thumb issue is one of the last things that you want uh to be factored into the equation there so i'm staying away from him uh i think the reverse split 
uh, idea uh, that you were talking about with Oda Rizzi kind of makes me uh, stay off of a guy in Steven Moya who's been kind of a, a nice value play uh, since he got called up to, to take the place of J.D. Martinez out and right. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a huge dude. He had a home run today. Uh, so I and that helped me win some money in that afternoon slate. So I am uh, I'm a fan of his, but you know, with that reverse split uh, kind of thing that Oda Rizzi's thrown out there, uh, I, and you know, it's sort of like the the words out on Mo- on Moya in a, in a sense. Not like he's amazing or anything, but he's at three thousand now. It's not like you're getting a steal at like twenty one hundred. So it's definitely mm-hmm. we're talking a different ball game when you when you're increasing the price by about a thousand. So. That'll be interesting. Now, th- we're going to move on up to the Mets versus Cubs game. This is definitely uh, an interesting one because, I mean, I want to talk about Steven Matz because I th- I am so worried that this is just going to be one of those tragic meltdown starts. He's dealing with a bone spur on his elbow that uh, I think by all accounts is going to end up requiring surgery at some point. It's really a matter of uh, can he pitch through it? You know, can he tolerate the pain? And then he gets to go against the, the Cubs as his consolation prize. So how are you seeing this one shaking out? I, I actually agree 100% with you. It scares the hell out of me today. I think, you know, I mean, we saw Syndergaard, who was a little bit banged up, kind of get roughed up in his last two outings. Right. And, you know, Matt's is not 100% either. And honestly, even if he is 100% against the upside that this Cubs lineup has, I mean, you're going top to bottom with guys that can hit the ball. You know, Zobris hits lefties really well. Chris Bryan, the right-handed bat. You know, Rizzo, very good in righty on, uh, lefty on lefty situations. Wilson Contreras, who they just called up the catcher, has been just absolutely crushing the ball. Right. You know, another big right-handed bat. Baez is a very good right-handed bat. Had a big grand slam in like the 15th inning last night. Mm-hmm. You know, um, th- there's just so many good bats on this team. That even if Matt's was a hundred percent, I think I would be shying away from him. But with him not being a hundred percent, you know, I, I think I would be okay looking at some of these Cubs bats. I do think they're going to actually be pretty highly owned, though. I think a lot of people are thinking along that same lines of kind of attacking Matt's, mm-hmm. and these guys are are probably not going to be cheap. You never really get a chance to stack up Cubs bats and have a lot of money left over, or you know, be able to put the stud pitcher of the night on on your list. So. You know, I, I'm a little worried. I think Matz is going to get knocked around here. He's he's had a pretty solid season, but, you know, you could even see that whatever's, you know, the, the issue with him, the numbers have been coming down from him compared to what he was doing earlier in the year. So I kind of agree. And then how do you feel about Lackey? Because I don't really like Lackey as a pitcher, but his numbers have been pretty good this year. And this Mets team is playing you know, basically with with a, a, a skeleton lineup at this point. You know, there's there's no Duda, there's no David Wright, there's no Conforto, who were three of the big bats they had at the beginning of the year. Right. You got Neil Walker hitting cleanup right now. You got Loney in the five spot. And then the bottom of the order, guys like, you know, William, Wilmer Flores and, you know, Brandon Finding Nemo and, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're looking at the names here, and it's like, you know, as much as I hate Lackey, I kind of think that... Then even today, Granderson was out today. He was a late scratch. So, you know, you got Diaz. I mean, you know, there's not a bat outside of Cespedes in this lineup that even gives me a little bit of concern. So, like I said, I don't like using Lackey. As you can hear in my voice, I don't feel good about it. (laughs) But, I mean, I I think we got to consider it with with the lineup that's going to be this week going up against them. That, that, yeah, you... That's exactly how I feel. I mean, Lackey is a guy that, you know, it 
it shocked me, uh, you know, a few weeks ago when it, when he was on a slate and I was recording a podcast. I was like, his nut, those are his nut. Are we sure those are his numbers? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was ridiculous. And you know, he finally came back down to earth a little bit in his most recent start against the Marlins. But at the same time, I mean, that is about as punchless of a, of a Mets lineup as you're going to see. I mean, Nimmo still trying to figure out how to hit big leaguers. Uh, Conforto's out. Yeah, Granderson. Uh, dealing with that calf, so it's vi- there's just not pretty much anything that really scares you whatsoever about that lineup. So even though uh, Lackey's going to be going on the road, I think uh, it, he can bring not even his best stuff. And I think just the fact of the matter that the Cubs are just going to be uh, just shelling Steven Matz, uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's enough for me to think that Lackey's probably a good play. And amongst Cubs uh, bats that I. Whose prices are sort of affordable? I mean, Wilson Contreras, uh, thirty-one hundred. That's that's a pretty decent price. That's, I think a, that's I, a steal. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta look his way. So definitely on that. Uh, beyond that, ba- Baez at twenty-nine hundred uh, and Addison Russell at twenty-two hundred. So it, you'll want to check back at lineup lock to make sure that uh, the, the Cubs have Russell in. But at twenty-two hundred, uh, you know, I think he at least warrants some consideration. So I think. Uh, I think both of us are going to end up having a decent bit of Cubs, at least for, for a couple of our lineups tomorrow, just to kind mm-hmm. of make sure that we're getting good exposure to the Mats meltdown. Uh, and then we're going to move on here. We're going to go to the, to the Kansas City versus St. Louis game. This one, I feel like there's a lot to take advantage in terms of the hitters going against some weak pitchers as well, because we're going to have Mike Leake going against Chris Young, who has just been... Uh, like a human gas canister lately. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm definitely thinking about uh, some St. Louis bats here, but uh, what's your first read on it? Yeah, I mean, Chris Young has a huge fly ball rate. That's one of his main problems. And fly balls turn into home runs a lot of the time. And this uh, St. Louis Cardinals team hits right-handed pitching really well. So I love Matt Carpenter. Absolutely love Matt Carpenter in the spot. He's been on fire since coming back from, you know, the paternity leave situation right. that he had for a couple days. Uh, so he's definitely somebody I want. Brandon Moss, uh, Matt Adams, if either one of them is in the lineup. You know, he struggles with left-handed pitching and he struggles with home run hitters. All these guys have home run upside. And then even the right-handed bats have home run upside against them. So Piscotti, Holiday, um, you know, Johnny Peralta, all these guys. Yadier Molina has a cheapish catching option. I think anybody on St. Louis that you want to put in your lineup, you know, I'm not going to argue against it. I think they're all in a good spot. Like you said, Young's been a bit of a gas can. He could easily go out there and give up six or seven runs in the first two or three innings, get pulled from this game, and the Royals could just throw, you know, whatever reliever they they have at the back of the bullpen and say, hey, go eat some innings up for me. And those are the games that tend... Yeah, and those are the times that the game tends to get to, you know, five or six runs in the third inning blows up into 12 or 13 by the end of the game. So I can definitely see that happening. I love the Cardinals' bats in this spot. And then even on the Royals, I mean, Mike Leake... Not a guy that I'm really scared of. I'd probably only be looking at the lefties against them. You know, with Lorenzo Kane out now, that lineup got a lot weaker too. Um, I think you're looking at, you know, guys like Alex Gordon, Kendrys Morales, uh, you know, Eric Hosmer, the left-handed bats that are going to be up towards the top of that order. I, I like Morales too, uh, but my, my problem is uh, I don't think – I don't feel like when, I, when I'm picking a first baseman, I want – uh, more home runs and he's got 10 but I, I want to, I want a little bit more pop upside that, than Morales uh, tends to offer and 
at, at 3,700, he's a little bit pricier than he was earlier in the week. I think he was down in like the 32s. So that was a guy that like I would squeeze in if I was like really loaded in the outfield or something. Uh, but uh, in general, probably just kind of like you were saying, just not using a ton of these Royals lineups, you know, because Kane was really the glue. He's a guy that really was able to kind of get things moving, either with guys getting on base in front of him, driving him in, or uh, taking it on himself to, to get himself on base, get a steal, something like that. So uh, with him out, that, that offense becomes a lot less intimidating. Uh, I mean, it, my question now, because we assume that Young is going to get lit, do you like using Mike Leak possibly as, a, as like a contrarian? I mean, he's 6,700. And you you gotta like his win probability at least a little bit at home when Chris Young is opposing him. Yeah, I mean he's cheap enough where if you can get those if you're confident in the win that that twelve win points that you get from I mean that's that's a big chunk of his score right there. That's basically two x his uh you know his salary right there. So I don't hate it. It's just you know Mike Leak doesn't have enough real strikeout upside for me to feel comfortable. You know he he's a guy that could go six innings sometimes and give up three or four runs and walk three or four batters and give up three or four hits. And it's just, he, he gives you like a, you know, like a meh kind of start. You know, it's not anything to write home about. It's not anything that's great. But at that price, if he can get you six or seven innings and he gets you three or four Ks and, you know, he limits the damage, I mean, he can get you maybe 30, 35 points, which at 6,700, that's not bad. That's a pretty good return. Exactly. Yeah, he he really kind of is the king of the meh uh, of, among the pitching here that we that we've got going. Uh, all right, let's move on out west here. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have uh, the Giants, the man we've been talking about for a while, Mad Bum, going against Dylan Overton, a guy with with not much of a track record. He's made one start, went five innings. Uh, how do you see the How do you see this one shaking out? What kind of uh, things are you looking for? What are you targeting here? You know, I think this is going to be an incredibly low-scoring game because Bumgarner never gives up a lot of runs. There are a couple guys like Valencia who hits lefties really well. Uh, Semyon at the top of the order hits lefties really well. You know, so I do think there's a couple bats that you could use if you wanted to as a as a swerve in a tournament because no one's going to be on him. But I think Bumgarner's the play. I mean, he's one of my favorite pitchers in the league. I love watching this guy go out there. He has strikeout upside. He has shutdown stuff where he, you know, can go seven or eight innings and, and only give up a run and, you know, have a whip under one for the game. I, I think he's in just such a good spot here. So he's somebody I'm going to look at. And then, you know, Dylan Overton, who's a young guy only making like his second or third start here. I don't think this is as horrible a spot for him as people are going to make it out to be because with all the injuries that the Giants have, they're basically rolling out an, an almost entirely left-handed lineup lately. You got like Span leading off, Panic second, Belt third. That's three left-handed bats at the top of the order. You know, you got Posey, who's a right-handed bat, who I like in this spot. And then, you know, Crawford's been hitting fifth. Um, who's the other outfielder? They have Parker's, another lefty that they've been running out there. Yeah, Pagan. Well, Pagan is a switch hitter, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, he he'll be from the right side, so he'll probably be in a, a decent spot if you want to use him. But you know, I mean, again, like we said, you got all these left-handed bats in this lineup, which you know, Overton is going to be somebody that you'd you'd rather have right-handed bats against. And the Giants just don't have the ability with guys like Duffy and Pence all banged up that you know they just don't have the ability to go right-handed like they used to. So. 
I don't think there's going to be a lot of runs on either side of this game, but if I have to pick somebody, I mean, I'm definitely going to go with, you know, Bumgarner over Overton. I do think they get a couple runs off the kid. I'm not sure how many runs Oakland's going to get against Bumgarner. I think you you really kind of summed that up perfectly because, you know, uh, kind of like what you were saying uh, about the Braves, they just don't have that ability to to get right-handed on a given day, and it seems like injuries have kind of dictated with the Giants that they're kind of in that same boat. Obviously, they have way better players, but the fact remains that they're going to be pretty much all lefty going against the left-hander. So I think uh, the important thing for our listeners to kind of glean from this is that if you were thinking of just uh, loading up on all your Giants, uh, going against a guy you haven't heard of maybe, like Dylan Overton, uh, who's you know just 5,600, not a whole lot of track record, and people just don't probably know too much about uh, what the A's have brewing in the farm system. So uh, I think some people just looking at this slate would be very tempted to go with a ton of Giants, but I think you bring up a lot of good points that they're going to be a little bit handcuffed uh, with their options, uh, either by injury or just by uh, just circumstance. So I think that's a really good point. And now we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to have Baltimore going up to Seattle. Uh, We're going to have Taiwan Walker uh, facing Chris Tillman. And I think this one, it's, it's got a little bit of that Steven Matz, uh, type of feel to me. I mean, it's not as serious because Taiwan Walker's injury isn't to his elbow, but Tyron Walker is kind of dealing with with that foot problem, and he he's been a little bit on the shelf of late. His last start he made was June 19th, so he he's been coming off some rest, but he he's uh he's been a little bit banged up, and that Orioles offense has been you know uh, pretty close to record setting this month. So how do you see this one going? Yeah, it's tough because you know we we actually joke around. I kind of nicknamed Tyron Walker. Uh, you know, Jekyll and Hyde a while ago, because when he's at home, this guy is like near unhittable. His numbers are just so much better when he's pitching in Seattle. And I think it has a little bit to do with the fact that he is <clears throat> he is kind of a fly ball pitcher, which is not a good thing against this Baltimore team. Because like you said, you got home run hitters from top to bottom in this order. I mean, Adam Jones has home run power. Jonathan Scope has home run power. Machado, Davis, Trumbo, Waiters, you know, Pedro Alvarez when he's in there. I mean, there are just so many guys that, you know, can tee off against a guy that that gets the ball up in the air and, you know, throws a lot of fly balls. At the same time, though, I think the reason why Walker's so good at home is Seattle is a place where fly balls just kind of get eaten up in the outfield on the warning track. So he's like the that's like the perfect park for a guy like him to pitch in. You know, I, I definitely can't be using him because we know that Baltimore's got a good offense and we know that this could be a game where, you know, they go out there and kind of light him up. So I'm kind of staying away from Walker. I don't mind using some of these Baltimore bats because, like you said, they're on record-setting pace. I mean, you know, if you're going to look at anybody, I'd be looking at, like, a, a Machado who hits well in righty-on-righty spots. Chris Davis does very well against right-handed pitching. You know, kind of shying a little bit more away from a Trumbo. I don't mind the a, a Matt Waiters in there at a catching option. And then even on the other side, you know, Tillman has been pretty good. But he is a guy that in his career has always kind of been prone to the long ball. And you got a couple guys that can hit the long ball on the Seattle team. You know, Cano's got 19 home runs already on the year. Um, you know, hits right-handed pitching very well as a lefty. 
you know, Nelson Cruz prefers lefties, but he's still a 360 Woba and 200 ISO guy against right-handed pitching as well. So he's got upside. You know, Kyle Seeger's got upside. Deho Lee, uh, another guy that's got some power upside. So I'd be looking at the middle of this uh, Mariners order against Tillman and probably the middle of this uh, Baltimore order against Walker. I, I think that this game... Even though it's in Seattle, I think it's going to be higher scoring. Even though you know the name of both of these pitchers, you know I think this is going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game. So I like the over here, and because I like the over, I like a lot of the bats. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you on that. I'm I'm definitely liking the bats. Uh, Tillman didn't look great in his last outing. You know he only put up three Fanduel points against the Rays at home. You know like it, it's that was a bit of a head scratcher. And then kind of like I was mentioning earlier, I just have my doubts about Walker. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to get lit up the way I've been kind of saying that about Mats, but I, I'm not sold that he's going to be bringing his best stuff. And there, there are a couple. Of, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how how much you buy into this stuff. I mean, I'm just kind of talking here, but there's some interesting little revenge angles going on in this game because we got Cruz going against his former team. We got mm-hmm. Adam Jones and Chris Tillman who came over in the same trade. Uh, so that those are guys that. Oh, and actually, Mark Trumbo wasn't he on the Mariners last year? So, I mean, there, there, I don't know. There's some interesting stuff going on in this game. This is going to be a fun series, I think. Uh, the, the Mariners have kind of come back to earth. They're almost back to 500 now. But, you know, they're going to have a chance to, to play spoiler and kind of get off the mat. Uh, Nelson Cruz is only 3,600, and I have very little doubt that he'll be able to uh, – he won't be fooled by Chris Toman at no. all. So I think 3,600 is super uh, affordable for Cruz. I think you kind of almost have to squeeze him in. And, and Jones has been – on a war path this month he's been ridiculous uh just raising his average up to 267 when he started the year he looked like he couldn't uh just find the ball whatsoever so he's he's definitely been on a tear hitting at the top of that order i like a lot of the bats in this game i think sometimes people will shy away from the safeco element but in this case i think these are two offenses going against two pitchers that might not be on the top of their games at the current moment so i think this is a game that you know if you if you want to kind of get slightly contrarian off of, you know, the stacks against your Chris Young or your Steven Matz, uh, I think this might be a game that might be kind of interesting to target a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah, I um, like I said, I'm expecting a lot of runs in this game. So if you told me you had a bunch of bats or you wanted the game stack uh, Baltimore against Seattle, you're probably not going to get any arguments from me about it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Indeed. Well... It's been a pleasure, sir, and uh, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Remember that first-time FanDuel users that make a deposit of $25 or more via Rotowire can get six months of complimentary access. To check out rotowire.com on your own, just go to rotowire.com/pod. That's rotowire.com/pod. I'm John McKechnie. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny McKex. Benny, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, at um, Benny, B-E-N-N-Y, the capital R, and then uh, the number 11. So at Benny R 11 you can follow me. Great. Thanks again, Benny. I hope you guys enjoyed our Thursday Rotowire FanDuel podcast. And I'll be back here for Friday's podcast with Mr. Paul Bruno, the stats man himself. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.